Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, Bright Church. It is such a pleasure, an honor, a delight, all of the above to be with you all this morning. Um, I have had the, I guess, yeah, just the pleasure of getting to know your beautiful senior pastors, Ben and Sarah, over the last year. And gosh, their heart is so beautiful. Anytime I catch up with them for a coffee to talk missions and what our partnership between Bright Church and Open Doors is accomplishing around the world, I just leave so encouraged. They are just so inspirational. They even challenged me in my faith. They're just incredible. Their heart for you all of you to just see you grow in who you are in Christ and be propelled into your callings as well as for your neighbourhood, the suburbs that you're reaching here in Ringwood um, and everything that is happening. Even last weekend, hearing about what you did at Easter, that was incredible, beautiful. But as well, their heart for the global church is so wonderful. I think sometimes, especially here in the beautiful corner that we get to call Australia, it's easy to forget what's happening across the globe. And sometimes we hear glimpses of it, but unless you've been over there yourself, sometimes it's really hard to understand and connect. And so my prayer today is that you would feel a little bit more closely connected to these brothers and sisters around the world. As a church, you have, yeah, as Pastor Ruth was sharing, you have been connecting on a significant level with the persecuted church already. And I'm not sure if all of you were aware, but I hope you know Open Doors and the persecuted church are very aware. And we are very thankful for every dollar, um, every prayer, everything that you as a church community do to support here in Australia. It is making huge impact across the globe. And as you hear these stories today that I'm, I'm going to share to encourage encourage you with, I hope you realize that you are paying, you are literally paying and playing a part in seeing this happen, in seeing the gospel burst forth across the globe. So before I begin, I just want to take a moment to pray, to just commit this time, commit our hearts, to prepare our hearts. Some of these stories are quite challenging as well as encouraging. And I really just hope that you leave on the other side of this feeling full of courage to see your own neighborhood, your own sphere of influence, your own community reach for the gospel through your own life. So let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we love you, God. (laughs) We glorify you in this place today. God, we thank you that we have the privilege here in Australia to know you, to worship you publicly, to make you known, God, without fear of what may come our way. Jesus, we just thank you that you have positioned us in Australia as your ambassadors, as ambassadors of your faith, of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we hear these stories today, would you just prepare our hearts, God, that we would be encouraged and challenged to look more like you on the other side, to see our lives influence the lives around us so that they may know the hope and the future that they can have in you, precious Jesus. Yeah, just com- we just commit this time, Jesus. Speak to each of us individually today in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So as Pastor Ruth shared, my name is Ali. I am 24 years old and work for Open Doors. Uh, Open Doors, as a ministry, we support the global persecuted church. 
that we work in over 80 nations around the world, delivering Bibles, um, resourcing believers through both practical needs as well as spiritual needs, as well as sustainable needs, literally anything a Christian would need to remain and continue being an evangelist to their own community. We're right there to support them. Um, I love working for Open Doors because I love the church. And now we all know that the global church is not just our brothers and sisters overseas, but it's us here in this very room, that we are made up and part of the body of Christ in all of its diversity and expression and individuality. And I just love to see us as brothers and sisters, as believers, like we're all family here. Even if I don't know your name or not, we are one in Christ. That is beautiful. That is so profound. Um, And I just love seeing us as a church know who we are and be bold in it. And so I, I really hope that these stories we hear today actually influence your heart and, um, yeah, push your heart to feel more connected to that global church that you're a part of and encouraged to make that gospel and that family known to others around you. So I want to start with um, a story. But before I begin that story, um, did you know that there is 340 million believers around the world who are persecuted for their faith? That is a huge number. Now, you may be a lot better at maths than I am, but I find that number significantly difficult to comprehend. 340 million. That's like over half of the Australian population are Christians that are experiencing persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the thing that I need to continue to stop and remind myself is that isn't just a number. But that behind that number, there are individuals and faces and testimonies and families of individuals who are following Jesus in some of the most difficult places on earth. And so I just want to share a couple of their stories today. But please remember that, that this is not just a number. This is not just another organization or ministry, but these are our brothers and sisters who love Jesus so much and are willing to be obedient even unto death in some situations. And be encouraged that you as a church are already partnering with all the good things that you're hearing and seeing today. That's some good news just from the start. But the first story I want to share with you is that of a Russian Orthodox priest and dissident who was jailed for his faith for five years. Now, five years seems like a small number, but this, this priest, he was put in confined isolation for five years, no contact with anyone. And he was told that he could bring one item into his prison cell with him. And he chose to bring in a prayer bead, a string of these beads that he called his prayer beads. And there were 11 beads on this string. And he chose to bring that in to every single day cultivate a rhythm and ritual of thankfulness. So every morning as he would rise in prison all alone, he would pull out this string of prayer beads and count out 11 different things he was thankful for that day. Things like, thank you, Lord, that I am breathing today. Thank you, Lord, that you clearly still have a purpose for me, that I am here. Thank you, God, that I have a bed to sleep on. That even though I'm alone, I have time to get to know you more. And that's just a couple of things. But he would count out 11 individual things every day. 
I wonder how many times he would double up over the days. I feel like there wouldn't be too much. But he said that what saved him during that time in prison was stimulating this morning ritual of thankfulness. He commented, human beings have two options in life. They can exist or they can flourish. Flourishing is nothing to do with material wealth for you can merely exist as a rich person, but you can flourish in prison. Father Yukonan believed that we must deliberately set ourselves a goal of being thankful to God, as this is one of the most profound reasons we were created in the first place. And isn't that right? We were made to worship Him. Our eternal, I guess our eternal goal, we have a beautiful opportunity to in our life know Jesus here and make Him known. But who knows what we were just doing a moment ago, being in worship, that is what we'll be doing for all eternity. (laughs) We will be glorifying Him, bringing thanks to Him, seeing Him come alive in us day by day. Father Yukonan commented that in to thrive in persecution, to thrive in pressure, we must take the attitude like the psalmist in 116 verse 12 that says, how can I repay the Lord for the good things that he has done to me? What a beautiful attitude to have. He also comments that we became sinful when we lost our center of gratitude towards God, as we see in Romans 1.21, that though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That thanks is actually a primary part of our salvation and our walk with the Lord. Father Yukonan, as I said, he lived this out every single day by the simple act of praying and thanking God for 11 different things. And I think you would agree that thankfulness is such a biblical attitude. One that we are encouraged to walk in in times of trial. And I love that song that we were singing today. You know, these brothers and sisters of ours, they are daily experiencing this God of revival. They are literally seeing chains drop to the ground, just as Paul and Silas saw in Acts when they were imprisoned. That literally in a moment where they were in prison, they chose worship and thanksgiving unto God. And what happened? The doors swung open, the chains dropped to the ground, and they were not only released, but had the opportunity to share the gospel with even more people than before. I think sometimes it's in these, one thing that I think with Father Yukonan that really challenged me was that he actually began this discipline of thankfulness long before he was imprisoned. It was long before the time of trial and suffering hit him that he'd created this discipline. And when I heard that, I was really, I guess, challenged. I was thinking, gosh, if I was in prison today, what would my response be in that situation? Have I really disciplined an attitude of thankfulness and worship unto God in the midst of any circumstance? That I think that in that situation, I too would be like Father Yukonan and thrive as I had an attitude of gratitude or would instead I enter into that place and find myself moaning and complaining, struggling with the situation I'm in, barely trying to get through and not actually thrive in my relationship with God in that time. And really last year, we had a beautiful opportunity to see that within ourselves. With isolation (laughs) in a different form, maybe not in prison, but maybe in our homes. What did you see come up in your own life? Were you thankful for the time that was created to get to know Jesus more 
or to have things stripped back and have a simplistic moment in the midst of our busy lives? Or did you find yourself turning to Netflix and getting, <laughs> taking an attitude of complaint and barely trying to write it out? And I think up until recently, we may not have had such a significant thing to, to compare to what the persecuted church experiences. But I hope even last year is a reflection of what we can be challenged and encouraged to see grow in our own lives of faith. Recently, I was reading in the book of Daniel. Who here has read the story or knows the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? Yeah, epic, cool. So for those who are unfamiliar, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were um, three men who had faith um, in God. They loved God. And they were, they were in a foreign nation, foreign idols, foreign gods. And the king of that nation, King Nebuchadnezzar, commanded that everyone bow down before him. And these three men in faith, they stood still and they decided we will not bow down to this king because we serve only one king. As a result, they were thrown into a fiery furnace, a fire that should have consumed them in an instant. But as we know the story goes, they were not consumed. They did not die in a fire. They did not die, mind blown. They were not singed. Nothing was burnt of their garments. And a fourth man came and met them in the fire. Wow. I've heard that story a lot since my youth. I grew up in Sunday school, very familiar with the story. But recently I was reading this and I just began to ask a question that of the Lord around the story that I hadn't asked before. And I asked him, why God did you not just put out the fire? Why did you come and meet them as the fourth man in the fire? Wouldn't it have been easier to just put the fire out? (laughs) And I felt the Lord say to me, because if I had put out the fire, then it would have shown the fire had power over them. But by me actually coming in and meeting them as the fourth man in the fire, it showed that the fire was not the thing that could consume them. It did not have power over them, but that I, the Lord, had power over the circumstance, that I was greater than their situation, that their situation could not kill them when I was present, that I am the great one. And as I began to have this realisation, I began to look at other scriptures, other Bible stories and situations in my own life And instead of asking the classic why God questions, I began to see that maybe these moments are actually a platform that the Lord can use for His glory. That when we're going through trials and sufferings, instead of saying, God, can you get rid of this? Can you remove this? I feel like this changes a shift in our perspective to see, wow, God, thank you that you're with me in this fire. Thank you that even in this darkness, you can light it up that you're right here in the midst with me and you are greater than my situation. In James 1.3, in the message, it states, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colours. I love the way that translation especially depicts this verse. That in seasons of trial, what is coming out in our own lives? Is it courage or fear? Gratitude or complaint? Determination or surrender? And that is something that we witness in the persecuted church. 
The fact that they are willing to stand, to say yes to Jesus and follow him, even when their lives could be on the line, shows that they have encountered a love that casts out all fear. Shows that they have encountered a God that they can be thankful to, even in the midst of suffering. As we all know, Jesus actually promises us trials and pressures and persecutions in the New Testament. And as much as we try to avoid those verses and not read them and not look at them, they are there. (laughs) And it is much the truth as any other part of the scripture. And so I think as a church, instead of avoiding the trials, avoiding the pressures, avoiding the persecutions that is actually promised in our faith, what if instead we prepared ourselves for them? Even in Australia in the last year, we have seen change happen in the sphere of what it looks like to be a Christian. And who knows what the next few years ahead hold. But I hope that as a biblical community here in Australia, we will not look at those years ahead with fear, but instead like these circumstances and stories with courage. That as we see in Acts in the New Testament and in the world today, that in trials, in persecutions, in suffering is where the gospel is propelled forth into the world. That a community of believers who met a man, a man who was God, a man who was willing to die for them and looked at them with love. That even when a whole nation of Rome was against them, that they continued to pursue to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, that even today we may know Jesus Christ. Why would God not continue to do the same today? And we see that in China, we see it in North Korea, we see it in Iran. Believers who do not count their lives unto death, that they, they are willing to pay the price that even is a glimpse of what Jesus paid for them. It's so beautiful. One of my favourite scriptures is in Psalm 23.5, that God prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. What a beautiful picture that in the presence of enemies, God prepares a place where we can know Him, share with Him, commune with Him. And it reminds me of an amazing woman named Helen Bahani, who is a follower of Jesus in a tiny nation in North Africa called Eritrea. And I want to share some of her story with you today. Thanks. Hi, it's Helen. I'm safe now. Who can preach the gospel? The answer is simple. Anyone who is not afraid to die. I was in that shipping container for 32 months. In the heat of desert day, the walls would burn our skin. In the night, we shook from the cold. I remember the story of Paul and Silas. Like them, I began to sing. The guards tried to stop me, but I keep singing and keep preaching the good news to anyone who would listen. They tried everything. They tortured me with a tool meant to kill. Their goal was for me to deny my faith. Stop saying Jesus. All I could answer was, 
powerful stories that has impacted my faith and my time in my journey as working with Open Doors. And Helen's story, she was, as she said, she was in prison for two and a half years in a metal shipping container. In Eritrea, the desert is the prison. They put just shipping containers in the middle of the desert, so even if you run away, it won't be long until you die out in the wilderness. It's boiling hot during the day and freezing cold at night. But even in this environment, Helen could not stop sharing the gospel. She loved the Lord. Loved the Lord. And as she shared in the video, on occasions she would be caught singing gospel songs, teaching new converts about their faith in Jesus Christ as she discipled them, even in a shipping container. And on one occasion she was caught while she was discipling these new believers and she was pulled out into the open, stripped, and these guards began beating her. In the middle of this beating, though, Helen stopped and she looked the guard in the face and she just said, I do not hate you and I forgive you because you are merely carrying out an order. But what you need to know is I am carrying out an order to and that is not to deny Jesus Christ. So carry on. What a response to even in that moment where you, you have every right to complain or to cry. Then instead she experienced that moment as a taste of feeling what the Lord paid for her and said, this is my opportunity to obey, to love the Lord, to be a daughter and a servant. And the amazing thing is after that experience, when she was thrown back into the shipping container, she laid herself out before God and on the brink of death, she began to thank Him and glorify Him. She said, thank you, God, that I am here to share your good news to people that need it. Thank you, God, that I can say yes to you, even in pain. Thank you, God, that you're with me in this moment. Thank you. So powerful. She commented that she believes if she didn't thank God in that moment, she doesn't know if she would be here today. That that attitude of thankfulness is what helped her endure. When Helen was set free, she would often come and talk to Western believers, believers like you and I, and she would ask this question. If all you had tomorrow 
is what you are thankful for today, what would you have? Or if all you had today was what you were thankful for yesterday, what would you have? And I don't know about you, but I've heard this question quite a lot of times. And even still, I can't necessarily remember the things I stopped and was thankful for yesterday. What did I really stop and thank God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for these things in my life. That that's all because of you. It's a tough and challenging question, but one that I think and I hope would cultivate gratitude in our lives. You see, Christianity in and of itself in Eritrea where Helen was, it wasn't illegal. But what was illegal was sharing the gospel. And all Helen had to do to leave was to sign a piece of paper saying that she would never share the gospel again. But sign that piece of paper she never could because she would always comment, Jesus Christ is the medicine of the world and he must be shared. He must be shared. For us here in Australia, back to that verse in Psalm 23, 5, our enemies may not look like Helen's. We may not have a guard with a baton ready to beat us, but instead our enemies may look like health issues, may look like job loss, it may look like anxiety, depression, the things that are still very real but bring darkness into our life. Although it's different to what Helen experienced, it's still very real. But our life situations and circumstances should not be the things that overcome us. And I think what an encouragement if, if a sister in our faith in the midst of that can overcome, can be victorious, can see Jesus glorified in it, how much more should we see and experience Jesus magnified in the midst of our circumstances? In all of this, I believe that the preparation for the pressure and the times to come is cultivated in the small moments of our life. The moments where you wake up and you feel like it's going to be a bad day. The moments where it's raining outside and you just can't be bothered going to church. (laughs) The moments where it's a hard situation at work. The small moments in our life. These are the moments where we can actively cultivate this rhythm of gratitude, just like Father Yukonan did. So when the time comes that a big trial in our life that we're in, when we're standing in that fiery furnace of our life, that we can see Jesus glorified and magnified and not be consumed by the fire around us. Just like Father Yukon and just like Helen, our brothers and sisters have endured the pressures and persecutions, some of the worst that you can encounter in this life. And they are the voices that I personally desire to turn to, to be encouraged by and mentored by in my own faith. They have lived through difficult circumstances and come out the other side. So their lives and these stories can influence and impact us in such significant ways. One last story I want to share with you today is that of a brother in North India, which if you know anything about what is happening in North India, it is very difficult to follow Jesus there. And this brother of ours, Pastor Rohan, he is a pastor and a church leader and his heart beats for his nation to know God. And this is Pastor Rohan's story. செய்வதற்கு நான் அர்ப்பணித்தேன் ஆனால் இருந்தாலும் கூட அந்த சபையை ஆரம்பிக்கணும் 
அது ஒரு சேலஞ்சாக இருக்கணும் அப்படின்னு தான் அது ஆரம்பித்தேன் நான் ஏழு வருஷம் நான் வந்து பர்சனல் எவாஞ்சலிசம் சில்ட்ரன்ஸ் மினிஸ்ட்ரி இது மாதிரி தான் செஞ்சுட்டு இருந்தேன் அது மூலமாக தான் என்னென்னா ஒரு முப்பது பேர் என்ன பண்ணாங்க இயேசு ஏற்றுக்கிட்டாங்க அதன் பிறகு தான் ரெண்டாயிரத்தி எட்டில் அந்த இடத்துல சபையை என்ன பண்ணோம் ஸ்தாபித்தேன் Pastor Rohan's story is so beautiful. The mere fact that he was willing to stay, that when the church that he had built for a people he was trying to reach burned it to the ground, and he turned around and continued to love and outreach to his people. I'm not sure about you, but I know if I was in Pastor Rohan's position, I think I would leave for two reasons. First of all, potentially just out of fear. But secondly, simply out of fruit, the desire to see fruit somewhere else. When you're outreaching to a people who do not want Jesus, yet your heart burns for them and are willing to stay. And I think this is the beautiful thing that we time and time again witness in the lives of our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. That courage wins over fear. Faith presides over suffering. that they just as they experience Jesus Christ willing to crucify himself for them they also see their lives as a journey to that cross that even if it means that i suffer and die for my faith that my brothers and sisters in this nation may know god or have the opportunity to even consider him that is why i will stay It's so beautiful that love, that love. So brothers and sisters here in Australia, as a church community, you are doing such a significant beautiful thing already to support these brothers and sisters. And remember, that was only three stories today of 340 million believers around the world who all share similar stories to this, stories of courage, of love, of faith. But how can we engage? How can we also partner with what they're doing across the globe? And I want to encourage you that first of all what you're doing today stopping and listening is such a beautiful way that you can engage. Choosing to stop and listen to those stories and learn from their stories and let it impact your hearts is such an important way. Secondly, prayer. <laughs> prayer is so incredibly powerful. that even though we may never meet these brothers and sisters they may be thousands and hundreds of thousands of kilometers away that we can join hands with them is so beautiful and they may be the conversations you have on the other side of this life <laughs> in glory meeting a brother or sister who is following Jesus in North Korea or Afghanistan or Iraq or Somalia and getting to hear their story and be like oh how i prayed for you Like I joined hands with you. I wasn't apart from what you experienced, but I was right there with you in spirit. And just as Jesus is standing there with them as the fourth man in the fire, will we put up our hands to stand there as the fourth man in the fire with them? And that is such a beautiful way that you can engage with your brothers and sisters. And today on your seats or next to you there There are forms that you can fill out that if you also would personally like to connect and support the persecuted church to subscribe monthly to the survival of the persecuted church I urge you to do that today as a church you are but I encourage you to 
stand hand in hand with your church. Don't just, not just from giving, but also from your heart. Because some of these nations we may never get to put our feet in, but we can know that even through our giving that we can have an impact and an influence into some of the darkest corners of the earth. We can see God light it up and be the God of revival there. And so I just wanna take a moment to pray as you even consider that personally for yourself and as we go into worship. But thank you, church, really thank you for the part that each of you are already playing merely by being in this room today. But Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you that we can be a body of believers here that know you. Lord, that you have placed your spirit within us, a spirit of courage, of love, of faith. And Jesus, may we never shrink back from what you have for us. May we never shrink back from the opportunities to make you known on this earth. Jesus, we thank You for our brothers and sisters in the farthest corners of the earth, who in the midst of suffering or imprisonment or whatever they may be facing in this moment, that they choose You. God, would You strengthen them? Would You give them courage? Would You give them comfort that they would even feel our prayers this morning wash over them and know that the global church is standing hand in hand with them. Jesus, thank You for the opportunity to be Your sons and daughters, to to make You known in this world, God. And thank You for Bright Church and everything You have on this house. Would You bless it, God, with Your favour, that these doors would be opened to the many, many souls that will come in and be saved, Jesus. We thank You, Father, in Your precious Name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.